What's going on, traders? Yes, you made it to the SPACs Attack September calendar. We got an interview for you today. <clears throat> Stay tuned, guys. We got a great show for you guys. Hit the thumbs up. Let's go ahead and get this party started. Welcome to the SPACs. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. All right, traders, welcome. Welcome to the SPACs attack where we talk everything SPACs. Go ahead and smash that like. Let us know if you're a SPAC fan out there. Hit us up in the chat if you want to go ahead and talk about a specific SPAC today. We got a lot to talk about in the September calendar. I think I saw more than like 12 or 15 names that we're going to be going through. So stick around there. We'll get to the September calendar after our interview. First thing first, like always, let's bring on the brain to this show, Chris Ketchy. What's going on, Mitch? Hope you had a good weekend. It's Monday, and we're back at it again. Like always, dude, what we do best, let's talk some specs. What is going on out there, Chris? Take me back to the headlines and let me know what's up in the SPAC industry. All right, guys. Yes. Yeah, so starting off with headlines today, let's talk about a new analyst call. So we have Proterra, P-T-R-A, Bank of America initiating coverage with a buy rating and a $15 price target. So the analyst saying Proterra is differentiated from other electric vehicle SPAC companies due to its long sales history, tested and refined product, secured supply chains, well-defined future partnerships, and manufacturing capability. Also calls out the transit bus business, uh, having leverage for them to have time to develop their supplier partnerships. Um, you know, this is a nice call here. And again, uh, singling out Proterra and also saying, you know, among the EV SPACs definitely looks like a winner out there. Then we have ZEV, Lightning E-Motors. This one is moving today and uh, not moving necessarily on news. This one's getting some love as a short squeeze candidate. So Fintel actually has data out that Lightning E-Motors is one of its top five picks for a potential short squeeze. So they say that the short float percent is 34.6% and a borrow fee of 87.1%. So remember, Lightning E-Motors had that huge spike earlier in August on news of securing a contract with Forest River, which is a Berkshire Hathaway company. That deal could be worth $850 million and could be for up to 7,500 vehicles. So ZEV shares are are up today. And again, that short squeeze potential, um, you know, it looks like it could be a potential runner based on the Fintel call. Then we have Astra, A-S-T-R. So Astra, one of the big news items over the weekend. A uh, company had a, a failure with its mission objective to t- a test launch of its space vehicle, the LV-0006. So the CEO said that space is hard, but he's not giving up after that rocket failure. Um, after two minutes and 30 seconds of flight, the range issued an all-engine shutdown command, which ended the flight. Um, I don't know if you guys all saw that video, but you know it, it definitely didn't look great for Astra. They they're gonna have another go at it. Um, 
but not a, a great look for this one. And ASTR shares were down um, about 25% earlier. We're down about 22% now. We did get a little bit of a lift over the, the last hour, um, you know, but not a lot of positive stuff with ASTR. You, you see that chart there, um, you know, the, the big drop today. Um, well expected if you if you saw this event over the weekend that shares would fall on that news. Then we have IRNT, IronNet. So this is the SPAC that just uh, completed its uh, merger, was formerly DFNS. The CEO was interviewed on CNBC. So shares getting a lift today. Remember that this one, due to the heavy redemption, it will have a smaller float. So we're sitting at about 1340 um, keep an eye out on this one with that positive CNBC interview talking the the company's business model, it, its growth plan. I could see IRNT getting a, a nice move today. Then one to put on everyone's uh, radar, we have Rivian, um, the electric vehicle company backed by Amazon and Ford. Not going public via SPAC. They're going to take the IPO route. But the company is eyeing an $80 billion valuation. Um, that, that's something to definitely watch, right? As the valuation on some of these EV SPAC deals ha has been called into question. If we see Rivian go public at a $80 billion valuation, you know, that's we could see some makeup trades later in the EV space based on companies, you know, as they produce those vehicles. And then getting into to some of our deals, um, you know, we talk redemptions lately. So CENH. Uh, announced the merger with Arkeet, um, 32.35 million shares or 93.8% of shares were redeemed on CENH. So shares were trading significantly higher this morning, um, hit over 10, 1080. Um, we did dip below 10, but now we're back at 1005. CENH, one to watch on that heavy redemption. And then BLUW, um, deal approved, 56.9% of shares redeemed. TWCT approved, will trade as CLBT. And then SPTK, or PTK, um, now setting a vote date of September 28th, earlier this morning. Today's redemption deadlines are CHAQ and GNPK. We'll get to those on our September calendar today. Um, but those are two names to watch as we enter the redemption phase now of these trades. And then we did get one deal announced this morning. It's a small uh, bio deal. Ticker is PAIC. Um, so Revelation Biosciences uh, is going public with Petra Acquisition. So Revelation's lead product candidate, REVTX99, they said has the potential to broadly prevent or treat infections caused by respiratory viruses such as SARS-CoV-2 uh, and also influenza A and B and other um, diseases like RSV. So uh, very timely. Um, it's got COVID-19, you know, attached to it. They also have a couple other uh, trials underway for other areas. Um, but again, this is a, a smaller deal announced today, PAIC and shares not really moving on the deal announcement either. So we had three total deals announced last week. That's down significantly from the past couple. And we did get some data 
from the, the second quarter. So the total number of SPAC IPOs in the second quarter dropped to $11.7 billion. In the first quarter, it was $91.4 billion. So you can see the significant drop in money raised. Uh, total number of deals declined from uh, 275 to 52. Um, you know, so also the uh, M&A activity uh, down significantly, 69 deals uh, in the second quarter. So keep an eye out. New data out there. Remember, we have lots of SPACs out there looking for targets. Um, and we are still getting some new IPOs, but not quite as many. And then a couple uh, stocks to put on everyone's radar here. Just want to throw out EVLV. This is Evolve. This is the uh, uh, touchless scanners um, used for security, used for infectious diseases. Um, I actually saw some pictures of Evolve uh, detectors being used at Disneyland, right? They have a partnership with Disney World. That's something we talked about during an interview, um, but now being spotted at Disneyland, which could be a catalyst. And then Mitch, we have Genie, G-E-N-I, Genius Sports. So shares are moving today. We just got word that the NFL announced Fox Bet, Bet MGM, Points Bet, and Win Bet as approved sportsbook operators. Those companies will gain access to the official league data. That league data, of course, is through partnership with Genius Sports. And I also want to highlight that Genius Sports, um, you know, the, this isn't a huge trade opportunity. Uh, the NFL is going to be their bread and butter going forward, but they do have a partnership for the data in the English Premier League. And the big news, of course, is that Cristiano Ronaldo is back in the EPL playing for Manchester United. Uh, I think we're going to see betting handle on EPL games rise a little bit, especially among U.S. operators, as he does have a huge social media following and fan base here in the U.S. So keep an eye out. Genie could get a lift on EPL data as well. Um, so that's what I've got for headlines. Again, that one smaller deal announced. But uh, what what do you think, Mitch? Uh, you know, Genie getting a, a little pop here right before the show started on the NFL news. Yeah, definitely going to keep an eye out on Genie. You guys know how I've been in that one. Looking to sell some, probably into a pop above 20 here. Um, been looking for a nice move. I know it was close towards 2050 this morning. Was looking for a move up towards 2075. Was going to sell some. We'll see if we get that move with this news. Of course, there's always talk also. Uh, last week was talk about the ESPN. We'll see how that kind of turns out. We'll definitely keep an eye out for Genie. Um, now, one that I definitely wanted to point out was that ASTR. I mean, man, that was that was something else. I put it up on my Twitter. Didn't expect to see a rocket going sideways, but it, it was definitely something to see. And what I think it really did for me was just show how some companies are definitely further out in in this than the, than some others, right? I mean, we've seen some successful flights from let's say the Taurus kind of stocks. We've seen what SpaceX is definitely capable of. Now you're seeing this. This just shows me that, hey, there's a reason why I always looked at SpaceX as the leader and I'm gonna continue seeing them. And I'll keep watching to see if these other rocket companies can get towards the level that they kind of need to. I mean, we can't be seeing this. Yeah, and you know, Mitch, great point. I didn't even look to see what was going on with uh, Virgin Galactic today. Looks like down about 4%, but you know, you, you said 
the the tourism ones, right? They've nailed it, right? They've been successful. But I'm wondering if maybe the Astra launch could be a negative here, right, for for Virgin Galactic. I mean, if if you're looking at maybe taking flight to space and you see an Astra, uh, you know, rocket do something like this, again, they're not the same company, not the same spacecraft. But ultimately, you know, if if you're looking to go to space, you want to know that it's going to be safe and I don't think this uh, launch did any favors for the space stocks today. But again, this is just one uh, failed launch. They've got more go at it. And, you know, space stocks have been successful uh, many, many times before. So something to keep an eye on here with the space stocks. All right. Like we talked about, guys, we're going to get into an interview now. We'll be knocking that out and going into M.A. QC. So yes, guys, take a look at that ticker. I'll put it up here. Chris is going to go ahead and knock out the interview. Then we'll get into the September SPAC merger calendar. Stay tuned, guys. Give us a big old thumbs up. Let us know in the chat. What do you guys think? And Chris, what do we got up next? Awesome. Yeah, guys. So smash that like. We got lots of people in here ready for that interview, ready for that September calendar. Let's get those likes up. Let's show some love. So coming up, we have an exclusive interview with Jeff Ransdell and Maggie Vo, the CEO and CIO of Makia Capital. That ticker is M-A-Q-C, a SPAC, still searching for a target. Welcome to SPAC's Attack, Jeff and Maggie. How are you, my friend? Doing great. How about you guys? We are doing very good. It's good to see you guys. We're big fans of Benzinga and... I don't know if you know this, but we used to actually have a, have a show of our own on you guys. So it's uh, it's a pleasure to be back. Definitely. I used to watch that, the the Ask the VC, uh, you know, show that we did for a while, Jeff. So nice to have you back on. So MAQC hasn't announced a deal yet. So we're going to get into a little bit of the behind the scenes, maybe what you guys are looking for. But first, I'm wondering if you can both give our viewers uh, a brief back or a brief, uh, you know, background of yourselves in the finance space. Jeff, if you want to kick us off here. Yeah, I'll, I'll be as brief as I, I can be, Chris. Uh, spent 21 years on Wall Street uh, doing a lot of different things from from uh, an anal- analytics to trading to wealth management to uh uh, you know, at the ultimately the job that I, I retired from, I was one of six people that ran uh, the wealth management business worldwide. So my P&L responsibilities were the state of Florida, state of Georgia, state of Alabama, Latin America and the Caribbean. Um, you know, kind of kind of just giving a little bit of, of uh, color to that. You know, why in the world would you leave a job like that? But the, the bottom line was I, I saw that there was tremendous opportunities in the private markets, more so in my humble opinion at the time than there was in the public markets as far as return and alpha that I was looking for. And so I retired to create Fuel Venture Capital, um, which is our kind of our mothership on the private equity side. And uh, I'll turn it over to Maggie because Maggie is my partner, my uh, other general partner, and also the chief investment officer of the firm for both Makia and for Fuel Venture Capital. Hi, and um, a, little, a little bit about me. I have been in the fund management business since I started my career. Um, I worked with different asset class, different funds 
uh, from Vietnam, where I am originally from, and then in Singapore. Uh, and right before joining uh, Field Venture Capital, I was a portfolio manager managing a global longshore equity strategy. Um, about three years ago, I decided to leave the public market and join the private market so that I can, um, you know, look for a uh, uh, the investment opportunity for my clients, um, you know, at the very early stage. And I came across Jeff. Um, he also from the public market. So we see eye to eye a lot of things. Uh, and that's explained, uh, you know, why I'm here today at Field Venture Capital as the Chief Investment Officer, uh, General Partners, uh, and very excited to be here today. Perfect. Thank you both, you know, for that background on yourselves. Um, before we dive into your individual SPAC here, you know, you both have an extensive background in, you know, uh, finance here. What are some of the benefits of, you know, creating a SPAC and using a SPAC route to bring a company public? Well, well, Chris, I, I, I think that it's important to kind of understand our thesis. And, and again, for all of, of the people who are watching and listening, I think our thesis or, or maybe I would say our edge is the fact that we do come from the public markets. I spent 21 years in the public markets, but then I came to the private sector and I've spent many years in the private sector. And if you think about the public markets and you think about the bumpers and the barriers the public market has, it is finding great companies that have a lot of growth opportunity left in them for the average public investor, right? None of us need or want to be investing in companies that are, you know, all the way to the top of their valuation and then we're only getting you know these little crumbs here and there on return what the average investor is looking for is a company that has a tremendous amount of of of, of future to run with on the on the private side our bumper and barrier is the fact that you know we can spend years and years with these companies we can we can curate them we can work with them we can get them ready but until there's the exit which is either selling it to another company or taking it public there's no way for us to monetize that time, energy, and mental capacity. So to me, I love the SPAC space. I think right now what's happening is, you know, and I've been in this business for 28 years, so I've seen this many times. You know, something new comes out, and you get a whole bunch of people who, who jump onto the field. Maybe some of those people, you know, don't necessarily belong there. And what ends up happening is the SEC starts to tighten things. You lose a couple of the people that are on the field. You know, the investors start asking questions because investors are smart and you lose some more people. But at the end of the day, it's the teams who who have the ability, the intellectual capital, you know, the, the, the wisdom and the understanding of both private and public markets for this space will end up on the field. And those are the are the teams that investors like you have to come in every single day should be looking for. That's how I look at it. I'll, I'll give you a quick a quick story really quick which I think really sums up Makia Capital and how we think about things. When I started in this business in 1994, there was this little company called Amazon, and we all made fun of it. We literally made fun of this company from 1994 to about 1999. I mean, who the hell wants to start a book company online, and who's going to ever do that? Uh, Amazon went public in 1997, three years after it jumped out of the gate. It had top line revenue of $15 million. And when it went public, it had a valuation of 300 million. Now today, Chris, and you can pull it up for me, but that company is around six to $7 trillion in value. So from 1997 to 2021, 
multi-generational growth or wealth has been created and it was all created in the public market. Now, if you fast forward to 2019, maybe the, the marquee company that we would look at would be Uber. You know, everybody talked about it. That was a company, however, conversely, that had been around for 12 years, had top line revenue in the billions, and when it went public, I think it was $74 billion valuation. So all of the generational wealth was created in the private sector. I'm not even sure if it's, if it's created any wealth in the public sector as of yet, but that is really the bottom line. What Makia wants to do is we want to bring targets and merge with targets and bring them into the public markets, the, the Amazon of 1997, not the Uber of 2019, so that our investors, people who understand us and follow us, have a tremendous opportunity of generational wealth to create because that's what we do. Awesome. So uh, Maggie, I'll, I'll turn this one over to you. So, you know, we're, we're going to get into MAQC. So Makia Capital, uh, you know, in the prospectus, it talked about targeting technology, North America, and looking for a company, uh, you know, valued around $500 million to $2 billion. Can you just break down, you know, for us, uh, you know, some of the characteristics and qualities that you are looking for in a target company? Well, thank you so much. And that's a great question. Um, you know, as a chief investment officer, uh, my daily responsibility um, is, you know, performing due diligence on new companies. And I think I have been doing that for the entire of my life from the public market and the private market. And let's go back to what Jeff mentioned earlier. To me, I think it should a waste if I don't leverage my skill, you know, from the public and private market to, you know, benefit, you know, the horseback market. When I look at the companies, I know immediately if they're ready for the public market, right? Or if they are the SPAC, uh, candidate or not. Uh, there are certain companies, it's great, the concept is there, but they're just not ready. And as you know, that SPAC is have, uh, a, it's kind of like a bomb ticking. Every have like from 12 months to 24 months, depending on, you know, uh, the maturity. Um, and I think that, you know, the fact that we work with a lot of companies, we have been looking at a lot of them and, you know, have a great relationship with our founders, uh, it really can help us to accelerate the whole process. So to go back to answer your question, I do think that there's some couple of companies we look at right now and we really uh, put a heavy weight on, you know, um, the ready uh, for the public market. You don't want to take a company to the public market when it's not ready. And when you talk about readiness, it's, it's from different aspect, right? Um, I want to see the company that, you know, have already, I mean, to me, it's have to re determine the business model or you have a, a, um, a product because what SPAC provide you is provide you a tons of capital at one time. So what you need to do is you just scale and how to scale. You need to figure out how you do the business already. You have to have a product already for, for you to be able to scale. So I really, you know, pay attention to kind of like um, the readiness from the business model standpoint. And then when you look at the customer, right, it's easier for the companies to scale if they have the global basis than, you know, just one small area, one countries. So I want to look at the customer list to see that do they have high quality names and, you know, it would be great if they spread out on a global basis because that just helps the company to scale globally. And then also one thing very important, right? I mean, the public market, 
require the companies to file uh, the quarterly report, like everything uh, shows transparency. So you want to make sure that the company have the team and being trained to be, you know, running a public entity, no longer a private market. So I pay attention to those three things, you know, uh, uh, very, uh, you know, significantly. Perfect. Maggie, I just want to follow up real quick. Uh, one of the things you said was, you know, having a product uh, ready. So, you know, obviously, you know, different companies you look at, some may be, you know, pre-revenue. Uh, are you looking at companies that, uh, you know, maybe pre-revenue, but have that product ready for market? Or is the goal to get a company that has existing revenue and financials ready to go? Uh, for, you know, our spec, we don't look at company pre-revenue. I do think that it's important for me to see that the company, you know, being able to sell the product, that's first. So it's had to generate revenue. The second thing is have to show the traction, right? Not just revenue, but also if you look at, you know, like month over month, quarter over quarter, year over year, you need to be able to see that it's training upward. And before that, it can go to the top, it needs to accelerate. And the best way to see that if the company accelerate or not is you're looking at the, the growth rate. The month over month will predict the quarter over quarter and will predict the year over year. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, you know, answering that. We do see a lot of pre-revenue companies going public. That's one of the things that sometimes SPACs get criticized for is companies going public, you know, too early. So Maggie, I appreciate your comments there. Jeff, I'll follow up with you here. You know, you've got a great management team here. Um, you do have, you know, your CIO sitting next to you, but you also lead the SPAC what are some of the things that make companies stand out during that evaluation period? Well, I think I'm going to piggyback first off of what Maggie was saying. And, and, and again, I think it's really an edge that it's important for me that all of your listeners and, and, and people who are viewing understand, you know, we did spend 21 years on the public markets at the top of the house. I understand what the investing public expects of a company on a quarterly basis. So really what we do is we come back into the private sector and we have, I mean, the, the, the simple edge that we have is we have a tremendous uh, stable of companies already that we have spent a lot of time, energy, mental capacity and capital, you know, with and curating. Doesn't mean that it's specific to those companies. Obviously we look at companies outside of that as well, but it gives us an edge that other SPAC sponsors just quite frankly don't have. Um, so I think I think that that's really you know the, the critical thing to be to 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 think about when you're you're thinking about us. Um, and then back to your question, Chris. Re just remind me again one more time. And what makes the company stand out? Thank yeah, you. what makes the company yeah. stand out? Thank you for that. So what makes the company stand out for me is, you know, I, I think we live in a world right now, and I think you know Benzing is a great example of this. We live in a world that is very different than it was ten years ago. And any investor today has the ability to really understand as, as much as they want to about a company that's about ready to go public. So, you know, but one of the things that a traditional analyst might not incorporate into their, their due diligence process is what I, I like to call just the Google check. I mean, what makes a company stand out? Well, if I Google the founder of that company and there's nothing there, I'm not gonna get a whole lot, you know, excited. And if I Google that company, and there's not a lot there on the company itself. Again, I'm going to take a step back and say, you know, where's the wow factor? What, what's this company been doing in the private sector? And if it's not making an impact in the private sector, what the hell is it doing going into the public? So for us, 
the big thing here is the wow factor. Does it have the fundamentals? You know, is it tracking and is it scaling now? What does the end consumer look like? What's the product market fit? If all those things are there, and then how you check that is that the end consumer is talking about it. It's being written about. Benzing is talking about them. Benzing has got them on their show. There's a wow factor. People want to be aligned and connected to that company. And that is what we look for. And we have an entire team here that all day long, their job is to make damn sure that our companies are getting known and trusted in the marketplace. And if all of that is there, then all of a sudden you have scale and you have people that are supporting it. People are excited about it. They're emotionally connected to it. And I think that that is another one of our big edges. We're not going to take a company public that doesn't have revenue and we're not going to take a company public that nobody knows any damn thing about. I love that. You know, as someone who talks about SPACs, writes about SPACs all the time, there are a lot that come public that I've never heard of the company. That that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad company or it won't be, you know, successful someday. But, you know, I, I like the thesis here of bringing a well-known company with revenue public. Um, I, I've got to ask, you know, we we do have the the pandemic that happened last year still happening now. Um, you know, you're both well seasoned in the space. How has the pandemic changed the the deal making process and maybe doing due diligence with uh, some of these potential acquisition targets? Well, I'll I'll jump and then I'll let Maggie come in because it's really her team that does that. But it, it has changed, uh, Chris. I mean, you know, it, I think before uh, you know COVID, the due diligence process is a lot more face-to-face, -face, right? But when COVID came in, once again, technology came to the forefront. And the fact of the matter is business did not shut down because of technology. You and I are, are sitting here right now doing an interview. It could be done face-to-face, -face, but it's just as efficient, just as effective that we're doing it through you know, this, this platform. So our due diligence has just really done more, especially with the companies that we've narrowed down, which we will be announcing the target here soon. We currently have a company under letter of intent and that company it, it's you know every single week it's really being done through zoom instead of face to face for obvious reasons and once it's announced you'll understand that um but it's very effective and in, in fact in my humble opinion i think it's more effective because you can do more meetings right and and it's just you know it's, it's nothing to maybe pull up a zoom two or three times a day versus you know it's probably asking a little bit much to have people in the office two or three times a day so, you know, I think it's, I think it actually is better. I think it's, you know, the future is now, this is the new normal. Um, and from my perspective, I think that, I mean, I know that the pandemic brought a lot of, you know, um, unfortunate thing, but from my, you know, aspect, from the due diligence aspect, I think that is, is very necessary because, you know, from my background uh, in, in the public market, and then it's, it's very similar in the private market too, is over the past decade, since, you know, the global crisis, you can see that the market just going up. And in a VC, like one of the founder can raise fund very easily, right? So I feel like both the, the in the private market need a test. A test here mean that maybe the economy is going down or maybe because, you know, the pandemic happening because that is the way for you to test out the founders, right? Because it's a great founder, great leader. They really know how to navigate crisis and, you know, take their company out of the crisis. And when you interview, you know, founder, new portfolio company or existing, after the pandemic, you really know that if they, you know, have the ability to take the company from, 
idea to exit. They know the company well. They know the problem that they are solving. So the way I view things with the pandemic is to me is a very necessary test for me to, you know, double check on the founder that I have been backed and also looking for the new founders that who who can show me the ability to take the company through good time and bad time also. Perfect. Yeah. Love, love that answer there, Maggie. Uh, last question for, for both of you here. You know, you mentioned that you, you do have a target in mind here. So we're looking forward to getting news there and, and hearing uh, more details. But I guess the question would be after that, what is next? So is there plans for more SPACs from your company? Has the SEC, you know, getting involved in SPACs changed the, the process at all? Or is this a a path to market that you see benefiting and want to create more SPACs with? I, I think that the SPAC space is here to stay. I think it's extremely beneficial. As I said earlier, and it's a great way to maybe end the way that we started. And that is, you know, I, I think that the average investor has a right to have access to these fast growing technology companies. And if it's not for managers like Makia, who understand these, these companies in great detail, and I think that that's a level of due diligence and fiduciary responsibility that not everybody else has, because you know we're not going to take a company public and then there's the skeleton in the closet that we weren't aware of. We've read some of these horror stories. That's not going to happen with us because we know these companies very, very, very well. So that's a level of comfort that investors should have with us. Um, I, I like the space. I, I love the fact that the SEC is making things more difficult because we know what the hell we're doing. And I like to compete on a field with world-class corporate athletes. And I think that that's what it's going to end up being. And so to answer the question more you know, concisely, our plan is to uh, successfully merge with a, a, an incredible company. And when you guys hear about it, you're going to get excited. It's solving a real issue. It's, it's creating real value for a, a, a number of different verticals. And when we're done with that, we're going to do another one. And we're going to continue to bring really good companies that are, 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 should be in the public markets, but have a lot of growth opportunity so that investors can participate in that. And, and, and that's really what the capital markets are all about. The capital markets are about you know, putting some savings into the marketplace and you know, five, 10 years from now, you got a whole hell of a lot of money to go do with what you want. And that's really what we're here to do. Perfect. Maggie, any thoughts on, you know, uh, continuing the, the SPAC path forward here? Well, I'm going to follow Jeff with some numbers. As you guys, you know, keep a very close eye on the SPAC market. You notice that, you know, during Q1 of 2021, there were about, you know, 300, you know, SPAC IPO. And then coming Q2, right? I mean, there was a slowdown in the SPAC market and everybody here knows the reason. And I have to say that I'm very proud of our team that we had a few, you know, you know, wonderful feel that coming out during Q2 of 2021, like during the tough time of the stock market. And I think that speaks a lot into our, you know, ability and also that our knowledge about both the public market and the private market. So that's kind of to me, to myself as a one proof that, you know, we know what we're doing. We're coming out, you know, during the tough time. Uh, and, you know, after successful with, you know, this back, finding the right target and much, uh, I look forward to many more to come. 
Awesome. Well, guys, that, that's going to do it for our time today. But we look forward to hearing so much more, uh, you know, about the Target company here. You left us that little teaser. Um, so we will hopefully get that news soon. But for everyone uh, viewing today, again, Jeff Ransdale and Maggie Vo, the CEO and CIO of Makia Capital. That's back M-A-Q-C. Thank you both for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Chris, thank you. You'll be the first person to get all the information. Awesome. Can't wait. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Well, how about that, guys? You know, we're, we're getting a little teaser here. M-A-Q-C. Mitch, you know, I, I know you were watching from the background. I know we got to get to the, the calendar here, but I really liked a lot of the things that were said, right? Looking for a company with real revenue. They're going to do their due diligence and, and, you know, not have any skeletons found in the closet later. I mean, we, we've seen that with some of these SPAC deals, right, where later news comes out or they get these short reports due to some red flags. I, I don't know. I'm liking the thesis here of finding a company that everyone knows with real revenue. Hey, I, I know it's kind of cliche and and I'll say it. I, I haven't been the only one comparing these companies to Amazon um, and there's a reason why, guys, is, is that I see the same thing he sees. The, there's going to be a company here that we're going to look back and be like, wow, that was an opportunity. Same way it was with Amazon. You got to start looking at these as early companies that are getting to the public markets and trying to grow at the public market. So look forward to seeing, okay, so how are we looking towards five to 10 years out? That's really what I'm starting to think of. And, and these are more investment vehicles than they are trading. Yes, sometimes we're going to be able to make some trades, maybe some redemptions, stuff like that. But these are more investment vehicles that have a long growth outlook. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, guys, uh, hopefully everyone liked that interview. You know, it it's always nice to get a behind the scenes look at things, right? And kind of hear what they're looking for in a target company. And you heard Jeff say they're going to have news real soon and we will be the first to know. So stay tuned with SPACs Attack, guys. Smash that like. Mitch, it's almost September, right? Today's August 30th and we actually will not have a show tomorrow or Wednesday because we have Benzinga's Cryptocurrency Festival going on. We've got some great speakers lined up. I know I'm looking forward to watching that, but we will not have a show the next two days, but make sure you stay tuned for some crypto coverage. So with that being said, we thought we'd get into the September calendar today a little early, right? Because ultimately it's going to be September in a couple of days. So Mitch, I, I want to get into the, the deal votes first. And then we also have a cu- couple companies that have despacked that have announced earning dates in September. So up first here, we, we start out right away on September 1st. So September 1st, we, we've got two deal votes. We have CHAQ voting on their merger with Renault Vacor. And we also have GNPK voting on their merger with Redwire. That, that's a space stock, right, that I really like. And then also on the third, on Friday, we have SOAC voting on their merger with Deep Green Metals. So this week alone, we have three merger votes happening uh, for the month of September. Um, GNPK is the one I would call out here, right? They're they're almost like a mini space infrastructure play. I, I like, and then also SOAC, you can see the chart there. 
this is one that's a, a couple years away from real revenue, right? So SOAC, I could see having, you know, some higher redemptions and, and maybe getting hit after that. So keep an eye out, SOAC. And then up next, we've got on the 9th of September, SFTW voting on their merger with Black Sky. Also on the 9th, we've got RICE Rice voting on their merger with Area Energy and Arkea Energy. And also on September 10th, we have QELL voting on their merger with Lilium, an electric vertical takeoff and landing company. I mean, I mean, you can see the chart there on Quell, QELL. We've seen a couple other EVTOL companies go public. Um, they, they haven't fared the greatest, staying above that $10 price, but we'll keep an eye out on QELL. And then, Mitch, if you want to pull up RICE again, I mean, Rice is actually one of the better performing uh, deal SPACs, right? So it hasn't completed its merger and shares are still trading over $15. I mean, this is an energy SPAC. Um, I, I like this one. And if it's already getting this price action before the deal goes through, uh, I think it's going to have a, a decent runway after the vote as it gets some analyst notes. It gets tied you know, to the price of oil, tied to the energy sector. Um, so keep an eye out on that one. Then next up on the calendar, on September 14th, we get three deal votes all on that same day. We have PACE voting on their merger with Nerdy. We have ACIC voting on their merger with Archer. And SRNG voting on their merger with Ginkgo Bioworks. So, uh, you know, some big names here, right? ACIC is also an EVTOL company. They've gotten some love from ARC Funds. Um, SRNG, one of the larger SPAC deals out there, Soaring Eagle, Ginkgo Bioworks, you know, has its hands in lots of different industries. You heard me talk about their cannabis partnerships. They have partnerships for vaccines. Um, they also have ownership of a plant-based food company. You know, they're doing so many things. And also ARC funds invested in them as part of the pipe and has been adding millions of shares of SRNG. So that's the one I would keep an eye on. But with its size, it does take a little bit to, to get shares to move. And on September 15th, we have ROT voting on their merger with Sarcos Robotics. Also on the 15th, we have DEH voting on their merger with Vicarious Surgical. And on September 16th, we have CTAC voting on their merger with CORE. So these companies, uh, you know, you actually saw us do some interviews with some of these names. So um, ROT, Sarcos Robotics, you know, a, a robotics company. Um, you, you saw those in action in videos that we did. Also Vicarious Surgical, you know, looking to revolutionize the, the hospital industry of, you know, medical arms uh, to perform surgical tasks. Um, I, I think they have a bright future a couple of years away. And then Core is kind of a 5G play, right? Um, so a lot to like with these names as well. Um, although right now, most of them do trade around that, that $10 level. And then rounding out our September calendar, we've got four more votes. So on September 22nd, we have LATN voting on their merger with ProCaps Group. Um, on the 22nd, we have AMHC voting on their merger with Jasper Therapeutics. And on the 28th, we have DMYI voting on their merger with IonQ. And also, I know it won't fit on the screen there. Also on the 28th, we've got MAAC 
voting on their merger with Royvant Sciences. So, you know, more companies to talk about here. DMYI, you see on the screen there, merging with IonQ, you know, this is a quantum computing company. It's already gotten a couple analyst notes uh, prior to the merger being completed, which I always like seeing the analyst coverage. Prior to the merger, um, you know, I, I trust Niccolo Damasi that he has found a winner in DMYI here. Um, and, and I like, you know, uh, the quantum computing space. And, and then you've got, you know, Royvant Sciences. We, we've talked about that one a lot as well. And, and also that ProCaps group uh, with LATN. That, that's a company with some decent revenue, right? They, they make pills and, and treatments for drug companies, right? They're a leader in Latin America. They also have exposure other places. Um, so, you know, I, I like that company, right? When we talk revenue and companies going forward. So, um, you know, that was a lot to get through, right? Our September calendar, make sure you bookmark the show. I'll also have an article out on the site, um, you know, that talks about those September votes. Uh, the ones that I am definitely watching are GNPK, because that's a space stock. Uh, SFTW, uh, space slash satellites, also was mentioned as a Palantir investment. And SRNG, Ginkgo Bioworks, which I own shares of. Those are the big ones uh, on my watch here. Also, I would say DMYI with IonQ, right? I, I think, you know, uh, again, they're, they're a couple of years away from big revenue, but, uh, you know, quantum computing could could absolutely revolutionize things. Uh, Mitch, does anything, I mean, stand out to you on, on this watch list, on this calendar? I know SFTW, you know, is one that you've talked about a lot. Black Sky, you know, it was highlighted during our recent Palantir show. Um, you know, satellite company, I, I think maybe once they go public, they get that name change. They start getting the analyst coverage. I mean, do you think that's what, what we need here? Yeah, I think that's what we need, uh, especially when I start looking at other charts. Um, I've been looking at Maxar. It's been definitely on a pullback. And one of the things is I'm just going to wait for the next uh, space wave. You know, that we've had waves in the space game where you see SPCE moving up, Maxar moving up, ASTR moving up, and they all kind of move hand in hand. And you guys know how I like to trade the industries versus trade the actual name. So I'm going to wait for that next pop. But are they on my radar, Chris? 100%. Uh, another one that you can, you already mentioned, Ginkgo, that's definitely going to stand out. And it also has a massive social backing. You know how I pay attention to that, Chris. Once that happens, the retailers know and the story can move the stock versus even just fundamentals and technicals. Uh, let's pay attention to that. Core was one that I was looking big on, you know, CTAC. I think it's kind of one of those plays that's just going to make money probably an under the radar play that is going to be profitable. I'll keep it on watch. Um, and then I'll take a look here. Uh, Archer is kind of more of that one that I could expect uh, seeing some crazy kind of uh, action going into the vote um, because I could see it going down maybe towards $9, then some redemptions, then it pops over to 15. Then Kathy I, starts loading the boat. And yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it has that feeling for me. So Archer's one to definitely put on the radar. And the last one I'd put out would be, of course, Ion Q. I think that's one that you have to go ahead and just try to get the best price. It's not about load the boat either. I think it's more of a long-term investment. Maybe just start slowly getting some money into it, especially if you're looking at it in the long term. Um, I think there's just going to be so many kind of problems that are going to be needed to uh, kind of be solved. 
in the next five to 10 years by quantum computing. So with that being said, Ion Q for sure. Yeah, I could see Ion Q getting some love from ETFs and funds, right? After, you know, and a lot of them have, you know, restrictions where they can't add SPACs until they complete the merger. Um, so I'm wondering if Ion Q, you know, gets added to some of these, you know, huge revolutionizing growth ETFs, um, you know, and, and that could include ARC. Same thing with uh, Black Sky and uh, Redwire, right? Is we do have a couple space ETFs out there. Um, UFO, I know, is one. And when I talked to Andrew before, the, the manager, they do not add space stocks until they've completed their SPAC merger. So maybe we see those get added to the space ETF um, once that, you know, those deals are done. And, and then, Mitch, you know, uh, moving past the calendar, right? August, we saw a, a ton of earnings from DSPAC companies. Now, September, we currently only have two on my radar that I am aware of. Anyone in the chat, let me know if there are others out there. But this week already, we get ChargePoint, CHPT on September 1st. And, you know, you know, you look at that chart, and I mean, this thing has swung way up. It's come back down. You know, I, I talked about the infrastructure build the other day and how it's kind of going, you know, off the radar here. But ultimately, you know, the, the infrastructure was going to see, you know, some big spending on EV charging. But CHPT, it looks like it's just fallen out of favor here. Um, there's also lots of competitors hitting the market. And you've got, you know, Tesla investing in their own supercharger stations. I I don't know, Mitch. Uh, you know, I, I know the thesis on ChargePoint, the story with EV charging. But what do you make of this chart? It's like we talk about sometimes the stories don't match the charts and the charts don't match the fundamentals. So that's what you have to look back at and ask yourself um, what's going on with this company. The story is there. The fundamentals are actually getting better and better because if you can see uh, kind of the partnerships, the deals that they're going after, uh, the kind of infrastructure they need to actually meet all those chargers. Uh, there's definitely some revenue on the way, right? The question is how much of the pie are they going to get? That's the question that I think investors are fighting right here. And that's why you see the technicals where they're at. What I would like to see on this stock is I would like to see it attack the lows. Why? Because we want to see if it's going to hold. Um, it has lows here of 1950, 1904, 1956, See if we can get back down there to those levels and hold. If that happens, then I could see it scooping back up. Right now, I think it's heading back to those levels. Next one up there looks like Genie. Yeah, Genie. G Genie. So, you know, I, I know we got to talk about this one, Mitch, right? So, Genie reporting on September 8th. So, uh, what day? September 8th is a Wednesday. Uh, we're going to have a full week of college football, you know, before that earnings. We're also going to have NFL right after that earnings. And of course, those seasons aren't going to be in the quarter that they reported, right? But I think in their guidance, we're really going to get some color on what the NFL deal means, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you heard me talk earlier today about those new partners for the NFL, right? And, and we knew this, right? Mitch and I said, when Jeannie got that NFL deal, it was going to be huge because all these sports betting operators, in order to compete, you've got to get the official data feed from the NFL, right? If you don't, your data's behind. You can't offer certain betting options like single game parlays. You need that official data. And Genie locked up the NFL deal. 
And I think them reporting right around the time the NFL season kicks off could just be perfect timing for them to just blow away, you know, guidance estimates here. But again, you know, that's just my opinion on what I think is coming for them. Um, They've also made some acquisitions since they last reported quarterly earnings. So we're going to get some more color on how that plays into the thesis as well. What do you think, Mitch? G-E-N-I. All right. To me, I think the $21 is so important for this stock just because we've had multiple times to get above 20 and not hold it. Now, that's what we're trying to look at right now. Um, I can tell you that right now because that's the same thing I'm looking at right now. Can we just continue to hold and keep this trend that we're essentially getting? You know, early trend, it was starting to kind of look at a at a less steep of a slope. Um, you could look here and kind of draw this kind of line down here and see that that's where we popped out of. Now, the question is, can we keep coming through the next level of resistance? What I usually like to look at is, let's see, where is a weekly resistance going to run into? The next level up for us is going through that 21 and up towards 2150. That's what I'm paying attention to see, because if we can get above those levels, let's say above 21, 22 um, with an earnings report, this could definitely get a big run. So that's going to be the big thing. Is it going to turn around on the earnings or is it going to get a big lift? I'm actually going to stick around. Normally, I don't stick around for earnings, um, but I'm going to be in this one for a while, guys. I have taken some profit. I will let you guys know. I took some profit at $20 today. I took just less than a third of the position, a little bit less than a third, probably about a fourth if you wanted to say. I mean, it's somewhere in between a third and a fourth in percentage-wise of the position. But I took some profit into the 20% because – that's what I do, guys. You guys have probably heard me say multiple times at that 20 to 30%. That's where I take profits. I'm going to take some profits and from here, let the stock work for me because I'm all the way down here. Um, I think my average is somewhere down towards 1680s. So now I'm just hanging out. I'm literally just going to hang out and let the stock work for itself. Um, of course, if it comes back below 1680s, I'll be getting out of this, but I'm going to let it work. I'm looking for a move past 22, getting up there towards 25. I mean, I think Jeannie, you know, that earnings report could really be a key for them, right? And again, I'm not going to be looking so much to hear what happened in the last quarter. For me, I want to hear what's next, right? I want to hear mm-hmm. all about the NFL. I want to hear about these partnerships and I really think, you know, it could be a a strong play going into the NFL season. And as I said, you know, and Mitch, we talked a little bit about this off air as well. You know, Jeannie does have the EPL deal, right? English Premier League. And soccer is widely bet on in Europe, right? But in the U.S., it does lag a little bit, right? But EPL is, you know, one of the most popular leagues and Ronaldo, the most followed athlete on all of social media. Huge fan base. I've got to think that with him playing for Manchester United now, we do at least see a little bit more betting activity in Man U games. I think viewership and betting on Man U is going to be up. I mean, and I think that's part of the reason, you know, along with his goal scoring, why they brought Ronaldo back, right? He He's that one-two punch, right? He can score goals and he can also make money for your team because of his brand. So I, I like that story with Jeannie as well. Hey, well, definitely thank you for bringing that in, Chris. You know how I like to hear about stories, and that sounds like a story to me. 
Uh, let's go ahead. Let's take, I want to point out Porch here because wow, has this one turned around from a heavy resistance at 19. And now we have a strong candle through it and a pullback hold. And now trying to get through another major point, which is $20. What's going on in Porch and why is it doing so well, Chris? Do you know? I did not see news uh, on Porch um let me see if we man have... this one has been doing well i actually really like this chart they had yes. earnings in mid august where is pull the monthly see what we see how that's kind of in just in an uptrend slight uptrend yeah it does have big volatility and big up and down moves but now that it's pushing through i mean what did you get? You got lowering volume and then a volume pop, which is what we want to see a lot of the times on the monthly. Green candle on the monthly. What? Can you see that, Chris? Yeah, that, that is impressive. It's that about to close on a green candle. Remember, tomorrow's the close of the monthly, guys. It's very important to watch how these monthly candles close. That's why, I, you know, tomorrow I think, you know, I'm going to try to look at some monthly candles and see what we get to turn over to the green side on on the first, right? So we're going to be looking. We've been talking about it, Chris. Let's watch for those monthly candles to turn green on the, especially the ones that we call the, the falling knives, the ones that look like they're really, really just dropping. Let's see if we can start seeing that reversal start showing up. And then Mitch, last one to, to bring up here. KPLT catapult holdings having a monster monster day today, right? Up 38% right now. Um, this is your sympathy play to a firm, right? We got a firm Amazon partnership news uh on Friday, right? That Amazon is going to bring buy now, pay later through a firm. Catapult is a buy now, pay later platform. They focus on a little bit more of a, a lower income customer. So it could be interesting to see, uh, you know, a firm and catapult have an existing partnership where people who pass on that first a firm offer actually get offered a catapult deal. Let's see if that translates into the Amazon deal. Um, if not, I think just the sympathy of a buy now, pay later, you know, shares of KPLT just rocketing today. Well, uh, you weren't the only one that knew this this morning, Chris, at 4 a.m., Right um, away, start seeing the the volume start coming in here. It ripped into the close, so it, it like kind of just hung out between this four twenty and four dollars. But as soon as four a.m. starts, what happens, guys? Quick pump into this one. It just starts pumping in the volume. The volume gets bigger and bigger as the open comes in, and as the open comes in, it actually loaded up more volume, and so now it's definitely getting to the point where it's it's hot. Um, lots of volume getting into this one. You can see an A move, B move, C move. Look for the D move up through the $6, then start pulling back. But this one's being a monster right now, KPLT. Uh, definitely one that had a reversal there. Did we close the gap there? Let me see. We're up there towards, what, 580 So we're talking right around here. You see how the $6 shows up here? Why? Because the high right here is 588. That's where you're going to start running into some resistance. But we wanted to see it get above the six, start trying to close this gap, which is all the way up there towards 781. We'll see if it starts doing a shadow fill KPLT. 
Definitely. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, again, we did have that interview today. Um, got the behind the scenes look right at what goes on with the SPAC process of finding a company. And then you also got that September calendar. We've got the dates for you. We've got the tickers to watch and also shared a couple trading ideas, including some, some more color on Genie, G-E-N-I. So Mitch, again, that's going to do it today. No show tomorrow, no show Wednesday. Make sure you stay for our crypto conference. And we'll see you guys next time on the Specs Attack. Ah!